been in the middle of the sermon series on the Gospel of Mark. Um, the video you just watched was actually word for word the Gospel of Mark, chapters 5, uh, verses 21 through 43. If you do have interest in watching the other Gospels, they are, I believe, on Netflix, Matthew... Uh, Matthew, Luke, and John are on there, and they are word for word, and it's kind of fun to watch um, the drama unfold up on the screen. Um, but this morning, I want to ask you to do something for me. I know that, that a lot of us have heard this story a lot of times before, and right now I want you to just take your memory and erase it. Why? Because sometimes when we look at the Word of God with fresh eyes, God will speak to us something new. And so I want, I want to just start fresh, start new. I want you to pretend like you have never read this story before because um, this is a powerful story, and I do believe that God has a message for, for some people in the room here this morning. So a little bit of context to the story of where we're at. It's about 2,000 years ago. Um, it's in the time of the Romans where the Romans um, had occupation over the Israelites and over the Jews, and, and the Jews didn't like that very much. They were, they were, they were believing that their Messiah was going to come. Um, the prophecy said that it was gonna, the Messiah was going to be a lion and a lamb, and they were hoping that the Messiah would be coming more like a lion than a lamb, and they were saying, Who's, who, who is this Jesus character? He just kind of shows up on the scene, and he's, he's doing this cool stuff, but people are kind of questioning, who is Jesus? Is he God? Is he not? Is he a prophet? Who is this Jesus character? And, and the disciples even are trying to figure it out for a while, but Jesus, he gets baptized by John the Baptist. He goes in the wilderness and gets tempted. He comes, comes back and he begins his ministry. He begins healing people. People that are paralyzed get up and walk. And um, what we, would happen, if, if you haven't heard the last few messages, I want to encourage you, go online, listen to Pastor Kelly's messages, because there were some powerful messages that happened the last few weeks. Two weeks ago, he told a story where Jesus goes out on the water, the Sea of Galilee, and and the waves start coming, and the disciples get to the point where they're in panic mode because there's this crazy storm. And the disciples are like, Jesus, what are you doing? And he's sleeping on the boat, and he gets up and he says, be still. And then the, the, the whole, all the waves and the wind just die down. And he says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And at that point, they're going, oh, maybe this is God. Ooh, and the disciples are kind of trying to figure this out, and they get to the other side of the lake, and they get there, and there's this crazy demon-possessed man. And, he's, and he's, Jesus has this encounter with this demon-possessed man, and he casts the demons out into the pigs, and the pigs go into the sea. And like I said, I want, I want to encourage you to hear Pastor Kelly's sermon on it. It was powerful. One of his points was that Jesus will go and get the one. He will get that one person. And so he, he, he heals this man, and then the people of the town said, we, we're kind of weirded out. We need you to go. And so Jesus gets in the boat, and he starts heading back across the sea. And that's where we are in our story right now. It's been a long day for Jesus, okay? Jesus hasn't just woken up and is real refreshed right now. I mean, he's, he's already had a long day, and here we go, Mark 5, verses, verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, not to be confused with Jarvis, Iron Man's assistant, Jairus, came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hand on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed him and pressed around him. It's hard to ask for help sometimes, isn't it? 
it's hard to ask for help. Maggie and I, we kind of, we're a little bit reversed when it comes to stereotypes in this manner. Um, I'm, I'm the type of person, maybe you're like this, when it comes to little stuff, I tend to ask for help before I even need it. And maybe you can relate to this where, you know, I'll be looking for my car keys for about two seconds. And I go, Maggie, do you know where my car keys are? And she'll be like, you haven't even looked for them yet. You know, that's kind of my personality. I walk into a store and before I even look for the Tiki Torch Fuel, I ask the person, where's the Tiki Torch Fuel? And they're like, oh, over there. I'm like, okay, great. Maggie's the opposite. Maybe you relate to this where it's like she will look for the Tiki Torch Fuel for a half an hour before she asks ask or maybe she will never ask and she'll just leave and say they don't have it maybe you're maybe you're like that okay so we I think those humans have this natural um, instinct to not want to ask for directions and help especially when it comes to big stuff now sometimes it becomes easier to ask for help in a time of crisis and man if you are in that mall parking lot and you can't find a spot Lord Jesus help me find a spot right but when it comes to those things that happen on a, on a daily basis where we're, we get used to it, we get, um, and, and, it's, and it's more challenging to ask for help. So my point number one is humbly asking for help is the first step towards healing. Humbly asking for help is the first step towards healing. And we have a video here to watch. We don't like to ask for help, do we? It's, it's a hard, it's a difficult thing. And so I want to paint this picture where, where Jairus, he's a synagogue leader. And as if you've been following the story, you know that the synagogue leaders don't particularly like Jesus at this point. They're saying, why are you healing on the Sabbath? Why are your disciples eating this? Why are they doing that? And they're continually questioning him. They're almost like the antagonist of the story. And so Jairus is a synagogue leader, and he knows that he's, he's at a point where he has no other option would be my guess. Okay, if, if I, I couldn't imagine, I could not imagine having my son Judah, having him be so sick that he was dying. The first thing I do, I call 911, I, I, would, I would pray, but I would call 911, we'd get him, you'd rush to the hospital, they, the hospital um, would start doing what, the, they could, what they could do, we'd be praying, we'd be praying, we'd be praying, and then I couldn't imagine having the doctor come out to me in the waiting room and say, I'm sorry, but we can't do anything, your son's going to die. And that's where Jairus is right now. His son, his daughter is going to die. And so he says, you know what? I don't care about what my buddies in the synagogue think. I need to go to Jesus. And I need to bring Jesus to my daughter. Because I've tried everything else right now. And I am in a crisis. And I need Jesus. And that's where he's at in the story. Humbly asking for help is the first step towards healing. Isn't it interesting, though, that we find ourselves asking for help when we're in crisis, but sometimes not when we're not in crisis. Uh, an example would be 9-11. It was a terrible, awful thing that happened, and, and by no means am I, am I preaching today that, that God will cause bad things to happen, but the cool thing with our God is that he takes bad things and uses them for his purpose, amen? And so he takes something, by, but the next week after 9-11, church attendance was doubled in a lot of churches. People went to church because it was a time of crisis. And so I, I think similarly here, Jairus is in this time of crisis, and he needs Jesus to help him. And so he goes to Jesus and he asks, I need help. Verse 25, Jesus went with him. I love that. He's not like, you know what, I'm too tired, I've had a long day, there's a lot of people that die all, all the time, I'm just going to chill. No, Jesus says, I'm going to go with him. And so Jesus starts going with him, a large crowd follow him and press around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. If you read Leviticus chapter 15, 
there's some rules. Well, there's rules all, all throughout Leviticus, but Leviticus chapter 15, I'm not, we're not going to read it this morning, but it goes into more details about what makes a person clean or unclean, and it talks about men and how they can be unclean, and women and how they can be unclean, and, and so in Leviticus chapter 15, it talks about women during their monthly cycle that they are unclean, and it, the things that they touch become unclean, and the things um, even that they sit on become unclean, and there's some ritual things that they have to do to get clean once again. And so um, as, as we look into the context of this, this scripture, um, this woman who was bleeding for 12 years was considered in the Jewish custom and tradition to be unclean. And if you know what that means, one, if anything she touched became unclean. Every time she walked into a city square, she would have to shout out, unclean, unclean. And so this woman is really in a, in, in a not a, a very good position. She's not in a good spot. Verse 26, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Oh, that's a miserable place to be. That is not a great place to be. And so putting in the context of what would it have been like to be in her shoes, and I, I couldn't imagine, but you know, she, she's going through her, her normal cycle, but then all of a sudden something's different, it's not right. And she says, well, maybe it'll get better. After, after a month, she says, well, maybe it's, it's not getting better. I need to go see a physician. And she goes to the doctor, and the doctors give her remedies, but instead of getting better, she gets worse. And then a year goes by, and she still has this problem. And then another year goes by, and she still has this problem. And then she goes, five years, 10 years, 12 years. Her husband, every time she touched her husband, was unclean. Her kids, every time she touched her kids, were unclean. Every, every time she went into the city square, she'd have to shout, unclean. And all the people, all the places that she went to get help, were, it, it wasn't working. Nothing was working. I, I can't imagine. Her emotion, she probably felt trapped. She felt scared. She probably felt angry, frustrated. I'm sure she asked the question, God, where are you? Where are you? And she is in this, 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 this place where she probably, at this point in her life, I'm just assuming, but I guess she probably gave up. And she said, you know what? I'm going to live the rest of my life this way. It's been 12 years. Nothing can help me. I'm just going to resign to the fact that nothing can help me. Point number two, there are some things that only God can cure. Point number two, there are some things that only God can cure. I, I'm a, a big fan of the medical system that we have. My brother's a doctor. He just graduated. He's going to be an eye surgeon. My, my sister-in-law is a, is a nurse, and, and, and my dad was a dentist, and so I've got a medical field in my family. And absolutely, I want to encourage you. If you're sick, go to the doctor, okay? We want to pray and use the, the, the wisdom that God has blessed some people with to be able to help people in the medical field. But there are some times where the only thing that can heal is Jesus. And I'm not just talking physical here, I'm talking emotional too. Sometimes you can do all the right things, you can read the right books, you know, maybe it's your marriage that's crumbling, and maybe you're doing everything that you can do to try to fix your marriage, and you've read the books, and you've gone to the counseling, and you've tried to get in help, but I can tell you that sometimes the only thing that can heal is Jesus. Maybe it's an addiction that you've had, and maybe you've tried all of the products to try to help you quit the addiction. Maybe you've gone to all the clubs and all the groups, and you've tried to do it, all, all this stuff, and, and maybe this morning you need to hear the message that the only thing that's going to heal you is Jesus. And it's, I think it's interesting in this story that the, the places that she goes to get healed actually make her worse. And this is just a sad place to be, but it reminds me of the Civil War when they would put leeches 
on people's body to suck out the infection. It would actually make them worse and sometimes even kill them because they're sucking blood out of them, which is crazy. Um, a, a very classic one is, I, if you didn't know this, I was a smoking cessation counselor for a year before I was a teacher, and I used to help people quit smoking, and the number one reason people smoked was because they were stressed. And ironically, uh, smoking is a stimulant. And it actually increases your blood pressure and makes you more stressed. And so what they thought was helping their stress was actually making them more stressed. And I think we do this a lot of times where we go and we try to find a cure, and the cure is actually making us worse. But then the reality of what we really need to do is we really need to go find Jesus. So back to our story. This woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. Years. She's trapped. She's scared. She's angry. She's frustrated. God, have you abandoned me? I'm just going to give up. I'm going to live like this forever. Five years, 12 years go by. She's unclean, unfit to live in society. But then she hears Jesus is in town. I'm going to say that again, and we can clap for that. But then she hears that Jesus is in town. Can I get a clap for that? Yeah. Jesus is in town. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. 28, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. If I can just get to Jesus and if I could just touch his clothes, I know that he could potentially heal me. And I, I, I want to say too, it says, it says that she came up behind him in the crowd, but if you were at like a, a concert where there was a, a big celebrity or, or even if you're at Disneyland and Mickey Mouse comes out, what happens? There's this huge crowd that gathers around him, right? And so it, her in her uncleanliness, any person she touched became unclean. And so she says, she makes a decision in her mind and she says, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to care about any of that stuff and I'm going to get to Jesus. And I, I might touch some people on my way. I might break a rule on my way, but I'm going to do whatever I can do to get to Jesus. And so she does. She throws off everything that hinders us. It reminds me of Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a, such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter, of our faith. Point number three this morning is don't let anything get between you and Jesus. Don't let anything get between you and Jesus. Your friends, your family, your job, maybe a sport, money, TV, your phone. Don't let anything get between you and the healing that Jesus wants to give you. Verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Jesus knows. He knows who touched him. He's the son of God. He is God. And so he's walking along. Someone touches him. He knows something happened. He could have just kept going. Why? Because there's another girl that's dying. But instead, Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? Why? Why did Jesus do that? I've got a hypothesis that I'm going to share with you as to why I think Jesus did that. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask who touched me? The disciples are like, are you kidding me, Jesus? Everyone's touching you. What are you talking about? Okay, of course the disciples are like that because they, even though they just saw Jesus calm the ocean, and I mean, they're still like, come on, Jesus, you're weirding us out again. Okay, what do you mean who touched you? 
And Jesus uh, kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So why did Jesus, in a crowd of people, choose to turn around and choose to acknowledge that there was an unclean woman that touched him? That'd be embarrassing. But instead of being embarrassed, he chooses to embrace her. I love that about Jesus. I think that's one of the reasons. But I think another reason is that throughout our church history, we have chosen to worship the wrong thing. And I think in this situation, what Jesus is teaching us as well as this woman and as well as everyone else there in the crowd is that there's nothing spiritual about the clothes that he's wearing. (laughs) For years, there were these holy relics that that people would travel miles to go see a piece of his clothes or to, to touch the tooth of John the Baptist. Or I've actually seen the tooth of John the Baptist, by the way. It's in a little golden box, and you have to pay a bunch of money to go see it in a museum. And, and I also saw a piece of the cross. They said it's a piece of the cross, and if you touch it, then you will be healed and things like that. But there's no power in his clothes, okay? She goes, and she, because remember, she thought if she touched his clothes, then she would be healed. And, but he takes the time and says, I'm going to take time on my way to healing this other person. I'm going to stop, turn around, and make sure you are clear on this point. And what does he say? He says that your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. It wasn't my clothes. It was your faith. At this point in the story, we can't forget about Jairus. He's probably sitting there. Remember, he's, he's like in the middle of this crazy crisis. And, and he's probably sitting there going, Jesus, come on. My daughter's dying. I know, you healed the woman. Great, come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. Let's get you through. And he's probably getting a little impatient here. And, um, and as, verse 35, as Jesus is still speaking to this woman who is healed, as he's still speaking to the woman, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? over hope gone she's dead Jesus we're too late I did everything I could his heart probably just dropped at that moment my daughter my, my daughter's dead point number four Trusting in God includes trusting in God's timing. Trusting in God includes trusting in God's timing. This is an easy one to get up here and talk about. It's a hard one to live out. Because sometimes God chooses to heal. Other times he doesn't. Sometimes it is the ultimate healing where we get to go to heaven with with Jesus and spend eternity in heaven. But sometimes he chooses to heal, sometimes he doesn't. But I, I love that in this moment, Jesus answers, and he says, do not be afraid, just believe. And this morning, I believe there may be someone here this morning that needs to hear that from from the word of God. Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. God has perfect timing, 
It's never early. It's never late. It takes a little patience and a whole lot of faith, but it's worth the wait. When all is lost, all is not lost with Jesus. Can I get an amen for that? When all is lost, not all is lost with Jesus. Verse 36. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. 37, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. People grieve in different ways. I think Jesus knows that. Because if I was being laughed at, I'd be like, hold up a sec, don't laugh at me. But he doesn't say that, he keeps going. It says, after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and disciples who were with him and, and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up, began to walk around. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them, to give her something to eat. I'm gonna invite our worship team back up this morning. And as we conclude, I've got three questions that I wanna ask you. Three questions. The first one, it's a little bit difficult to ask, but if you're truthful and if you're honest with yourself, this could be, this could be uh, something that could impact your life. The question is this, what is your condition? Not the person over there, not the person over there. Not the per- what is your condition? What is it that you're struggling with? Maybe it's something that you've been dealing with for 20 years, 30 years, your whole life. I don't know. Maybe it's something that, that you've only been dealing with a few months, but what is your condition? I know a lot of us aren't having a, a physical problem of bleeding for 12 years, but sometimes that looks different in our lives. Maybe it's a, an anger problem that we've been dealing with. Maybe it's a, it's a pride issue. Maybe it's, a, it's our marriage. Maybe it's our, our relationship with someone. Maybe it's, I don't know what it could be for you. Maybe it's an addiction. And you've been battling it and battling it and battling with it. And you've resigned to the fact and said, just, this is just the way it's going to be. I want to tell you this morning that all of us have a condition. And that condition is called sin. And the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And today, this, this morning, I know that there are some of you maybe that walked in and you walked in with no hope and you said, you know what? I'm never gonna be healed. I wanna tell you this morning that there is hope and there's hope in Jesus. There's hope in Jesus and maybe today will be the day that, that God chooses to heal you. And we're gonna continue to pray and we're gonna continue to believe that, there, that God does heal and will heal in this place today. The second question that I have this morning is who do you need to bring Jesus to? Jairus, in this crisis, he had, he had nowhere else to turn, nowhere else to go, but he said, I've got to go get Jesus, and I've got to bring Jesus back to my daughter, because I don't know any other way to make her well, and I can tell you that there are people that are dying that we need to bring Jesus to. There are people that are dying that we need to bring Jesus to. And Jairus said, I don't care what my social world looks like. I don't care if I make people mad. I don't care because I'm gonna do everything it takes to get Jesus and take him to my daughter because she is dying. Guys, the church isn't here. The church is out there. We gotta use the power of the Holy Spirit. We gotta take Jesus and take Jesus into the world to heal people that are broken. Who is it that you need to bring Jesus to this morning? This week, who is it?
that we need to bring Jesus to. When all is lost, don't give up. Keep praying, keep trusting, because Jesus just might raise them from the dead. And then the last question I have this morning is, what do you need to do to get to Jesus? What do you need to do to get to Jesus? Can I tell you that Jesus is in this place this morning? He was here first service and he's here second service. And he's doing a work in people's hearts and lives this morning. And I can tell you that there is absolutely nothing holy about this stage. It is a carpet and wood and there's nothing special, just like there was nothing special about the robe. But what was cool though, is that Jesus turns around and it says it was your faith that healed you. And this morning, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to this message. And maybe it's a name of someone that you need to bring to this altar and you need to say, God, I, I, I need to pray for this person because I need to bring them to Jesus. Or maybe you are in a place where you need physical healing or you need healing for one of those things that I talked about. And if you are in one of those places, I'm gonna give you an opportunity where you can make a physical step of faith forward because that's where God's gonna meet us this morning. And so if we could all just stand up in this place this morning, we're gonna, we're gonna sing and when I begin to sing, if you've been feeling prompted by the Holy Spirit, if you want to come down and, and kneel before God, or if you want to stand and praise him, do that. But I do believe that there is power when we take a step of faith, when we step out of our comfort zone, when we do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. Because if we just can touch his robe, if we could just touch his robe, if we could just be by him, then we will be healed. And I can tell you that Jesus is in the house tonight and you can take a step of faith towards him this morning as we sing. Let's sing, I believe you're my healer. God, we know that if we can have faith the size of a mustard seed, Lord, we can move a mountain. And God, tonight, I, this morning, I believe, God, that some mountains are being moved right now. God, I pray in Jesus' name that these mountains in their lives would be gone. God, I pray that as we as a congregation were thinking about names of people that we need to bring Jesus to, God, I pray that we wouldn't just leave that here in this room this morning, but God, I pray that we would take Jesus, we'd take you with us into the world this week. God, I pray that we would have an urgency, that there is a crisis that people need you, that people are dying. And God, I pray that we would have a passion begin to stir in our, height, in our hearts for the lost, God. God, we need more of you, Jesus. God, sometimes you choose to heal, God, and sometimes you don't. But God, this morning we choose to say we're gonna believe and have faith and trust in you, God, that you can take these bad situations that we're in and God, you can turn them into something good, Jesus. But God, I pray if it's your will, God, we pray for physical healing this morning in this place. Just like you healed the woman that was bleeding for 12 years, God, we know that you, the same power can heal us this morning. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for, thank you for being here in this place. God, thank you for ministering. In your name we pray. Amen.